0: Welcome to the label podcast, a show about disability, illness, and difference. I'm Lucy and I'm Alice. I'm so much more what, what you see. And we that's low lives differently, kaleidoscope, identity, and this is who I meant to be. I'm just labeled me.
1: I'm just
2: Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Labelled Podcast. Today is our first episode of our Spotlight series this year. We're doing a series dedicated to disability technology, which is a broad and somewhat ridiculous topic, but I, when I look at what we've got lined up for you over the next month, uh, it is something from all 17 corners of, of the world, never mind four, uh, <laughs> but I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, I am here with my wonderful co-host Lucy Wood.
0: Hiya, hello everybody, how are you Alice? I'm good, how are good. you Lucy? I'm all right, thank you, yeah, not too bad. Uh yeah. i
2: Had our, our own disability technology uh sort of fandango recently, didn't we? Where you were having some problems with your mic and uh Lucy described how she fixed it to me earlier by saying, I just went at it <laughs> like a bear
0: <laughs> pulled it apart and then thought, How do I get this back together again? Because <laughs> also I can be a bit ham fisted, you know, like so I'm like, Oh, I've broken that and then like oh, oh I've really broken that. So I was like, <laughs> Please podcasting gods <laughs> it's fine I've, I've fixed what the problem well it seems to have fixed what the problem was we'll see what we'll see what it's like next time we record well but, um...
2: hopefully by the end of this technology series we will be <laughs> experts and we yes. can take everything apart and put
0: it all back together like exactly. kids. exactly yeah
2: as ever we are kicking off our spotlight series with a history lesson however today it is a history lesson with a twist you will Uh, soon discover that we are not joined today by the wonderful Daisy who is off doing something else very exciting. Today we are joined by another uh, very talented academic and historian, Rachel if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi everybody so my name is Rachel
1: I tend to go by Ray and uh, yeah I'm a a historian currently based at the University of Leeds who's into everything kind of the body and technology and how the two interact with each other um, in sort of the pre-modern period. So any time before about 1600 is uh, is my kind of thing.
2: I was just going to say pre-modern to me feels like, you know, that could relate to stuff that I've had in my fridge for too long. So thank you for the definition. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to be eating things from 1600. (laughs) Uh, so Ray has joined us today to talk about uh, a couple of different things and uh, yeah, how, how disability kind of technology has changed over uh, in those very, very early years of the world. Um, I suppose it's not that early in terms of the world really, is it? But um, I'm rambling. Ray, would you <laughs> like to to stop the rambling and start saying some sensible things?
1: I don't know about sensible, but I can stop the rambling.
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, so
1: I really got into this, I was sort of thinking about um, disability technology and how the body interacts with technology um, and, and how the two kind of um, complement each other. And when I started looking into this and reading about this and asking people about this, I found that almost everybody was like, oh, yes, yeah, so the First World War happened. And then We had all of these soldiers coming back from the First World War with various different injuries and disabilities and uh, and whatnot. And that's where disability technology, as we know it today, kind of really takes off. Um, And I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But like, there have been lots of wars before the First World War where, you know, there have been injuries and, and things. And, you know, people have been around for a lot longer than the last kind of 100, 150 years. So I started thinking why do we start with the first world war as our sort of um beginning history of disability technology. And I decided to start researching what came before yeah, that. My
2: my immediate thoughts when you sort of talked about that was what about all those pirates in the 1600s with peg legs and hooks for hands? I'm sure that's very historically accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was exactly where I went
1: as well. And I found like one pirate in the historical record to have um a silver hand apparently. <laughs> and I was like one one out of all of them no yeah.
0: uh i'm sure every depiction of a pirate they've got some limb loss either hand foot leg eye eye, 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 eye yeah
1: yeah uh see i have a pet parrot so i'm I'm partial to a bit of uh piratical
0: <laughs> i've always wondered why pirates have got pirates on their shoulders like it doesn't really make any sense to my in my head i've uh, been in I the caribbean know. maybe i don't know yeah, yeah maybe the pirate just like sort of sits there, like, "Oh, this is a tree, I'll just sit here <laughs> and i
2: I mean I feel like yeah. um
0: dogs probably
2: wouldn't get on very well on a boat. no,
0: yeah, possibly Considering not. how
2: how well my dogs get on on a bus, I feel like like buses are very slippery for a dog they like i have to kind of clamp them between my knees dora gets very worried about it so um
0: (laughs) don't really like being between (laughs) anybody's legs (laughs) like do you know what i mean i just i just have visions (laughs) of
2: dogs just
0: like sliding
2: overboard when the waves get a bit choppy so Mm. parrots probably better safer bet and they
0: can fly off can't they when they've had enough they can just fly off (laughs) 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 i've had enough of this bye See what we mean Rachel about going off on a tangent <laughs> oh, about pirates. Total total tangent. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yes. Anyway, so pirates and
1: yeah, yeah. So all this stuff, it's like, well, what, you know, what was going on before the sort of modern period as we know it? So I set off on a, a kind of bit of a quest to, to find out about this, um and unsurprisingly, it turns out people did have disabilities before the First World War. <laughs> um, you know, who who would have thought? Um, mind blown again yeah, <laughs> wild um <laughs> that people have always been creative and inventive and you know one of the things that sets humans apart from other animals is the use of tools and, and this is no different within sort of disability technology um mm-hmm. so like if you go way way back to like the ancient egyptian period you might have seen this circulating around on the internet um, the internet seems to love this one but there have been um a mummy found with a prosthetic big toe Um, and apparently that is a kind of partial walking aid, but also a little bit cosmetic, um, because people will be wearing sandals and things quite a lot. Um, Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So we've got stuff all the way back from ancient Egypt, um, but then right through um, you know, to to the present day as well. So I'm focusing on roughly about sort of 1400 to 1600 um, in the stuff that I'm gonna be talking about today. Wow, brilliant. This
0: is right, you're right Alice, this is right on my (laughs) alley. <laughs> is right on my alley yeah i think i watched a program about tutankhamun um a few years ago and they said that he didn't like, he have a club foot a club foot and i think he got like hydrocephalus as well and would would have often have seizures and things like that i think that they said and I, I
2: literally listened to a podcast about this like yes. a fucking three weeks ago Sawbones did a whole podcast on Tutankhamun and the uh, the only thing I can remember about it was the jokes that she made at her husband's expense so none of that's particularly historically it's not really useful
0: to the story is it no um (laughs) but yeah I I found found it (laughs) I found it really interesting because I mean I didn't know that Tutankhamun allegedly had a disability at all and it's like only when we do these history lessons that you find out about all these people that you think I, a, I've even never heard of that person or B, I have heard of that person but I had no idea they were disabled in some way. I just find it amazing, really, when you discover it. It's like, oh, that's that's really cool. Like, they're one of us. It's great.
2: I was thinking when we were sort of getting ready for this episode and thinking about the dates and stuff that you've been talking about, Rachel, <laughs> um, I, I have done a fair amount of uh, being dragged around ancient medieval castles as a child because my parents thought it would be, you know, <laughs> wholesome and good for me to make me go outdoors and see things. Oh. Um, <laughs> me and I, you both, my
1: childhood was characterized by medieval castles <laughs> and, and look what it did.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and I, I went, we went to one in France built into the side of a cliff Uh, quite recently actually Uh, as a full-grown adult I could have said (laughs) no to this excursion Um, uh, but they're not they're not particularly accessible (laughs) places generally so for a you know the idea of it being you know 1497 and you've just lost your foot and you're like right I've got to get upstairs in the castle I can't imagine it's the easiest thing in the world Yeah, absolutely.
1: This is, you know, a time before ramps and uh, lifts and and, yeah, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) it's just it's just not happening. Um, And this was one of the ways into the kind of research that I've done, I thought about um, because I'm into sort of thinking about images, uh, and how we represent disability visually. And I was thinking, huh, perhaps the most well known sort of image, quote unquote, of disability in the modern day, is the international symbol of access, the yeah, um, yeah. the the sort of um, I'm
0: it's drawing it with my hand and realizing wheelchair. nobody can
1: see what I'm drawing with my hand. <laughs> <laughs> the image of uh, welcome to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it looks it looks like this.
0: Um, <laughs> the bald man in the wheelchair. That's why. I always yeah, yeah. Me. Sort
1: of side on, like a C shape. Yeah, um,
0: yeah.
1: And it's uh, it's everywhere. You see it everywhere. and I thought, oh, it's interesting how the wheelchair has kind of become synonymous with disability. Um, mm-hmm. And all of the problems that, that go along with that, all the stories you see in the media about people with invisible disabilities parking in in the parking spaces that are accessible and, and getting critiqued yeah. and, and all this kind of uh, stuff. So I kind of started there and I thought, okay, let's look at um, medieval wheelchairs. And I, you know, at this point, was not thinking about castles or slopes or floors <laughs> and was like, yeah, cool, let's just go and find those. Cobbles. Um,
0: cobbles. Yeah, thing,
1: cobbles. And of course... <laughs> um, I didn't find any medieval wheelchairs, um, they just no. they don't exist in this period
2: um, and it's not because people... I imagine partly because the environment was just so unsuited to something on wheels.
1: Yeah, yeah. right, it just um, it just doesn't work. So if you're going to have something on wheels you need like a carriage drawn by horses um, and that's something yes, that... Yes you do! <laughs> 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 and that's something that only the elites can afford you know um so if you are <laughs> a noble or wealthy then yeah that's that's great you can maybe afford a you carriage fine, yeah
0: really? yeah exactly um
1: but that ties into all sorts of other problems that we can get into later if we want to about like gender because it's emasculating to ride in a carriage if you're a man you should be on a horse carriages are for uh, um... women women and the elderly uh in this period oh, right so, um, yeah, if, if you're a, a, a man, you shouldn't really be doing that in the Middle Ages. Um, but I was thinking, what about the, you know, the lower status people who couldn't even afford a carriage if they wanted one? What, what are they doing? Um, and while there are no sort of wheelchairs, as we'd understand them today, sort of like upright chairs with wheels, there are a fair few images of people um, with different uh, kind of disabilities being transported in um, wheelbarrows um
0: <laughs> right okay i mean resourceful yeah i
2: have absolutely heard you refer to yourself as a sack of potatoes in the past <laughs> <of those. laughs>
0: yeah. very true very true
2: <laughs> and this works so
1: much better than a wheelchair right because well yeah we've got or at least you know in the middle ages because uh, the floors are uneven they are sticky they're muddy um mm. cobbled maybe so yeah. um possibility of having a chair in which you could wheel yourself is you know really really kind of slim um but at least in a wheelbarrow you've got somebody to you know physically push you up the hill over the cobbles this kind of stuff um mm. which is is something um but it doesn't facilitate a lot of independence
0: um or like movement within a home or any of these kinds of things and i suppose it provides a job for somebody doesn't it like we are going to like pay you to push Uncle Graham round in his in his wheelbarrow. I imagine from
2: what Rachel was saying that probably you're going to be roping in friends and family members. Probably, yeah, yeah, if yeah. You, if you're in the situation where you're like, I've got this surplus barrow and my legs don't work, <laughs> um, you know, can you can you take me down the pub, please? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I might start asking people to do that for me, <laughs> like.
1: It's exactly that though. It's not like a, it's not a paid position. It's always sort of friends and family and the images um, are really good at depicting this. Um, Mm. So there's a lot of images of elderly women being pushed in wheelbarrows by elderly men who are presumably their husbands and yes. these women are normally uh, drinking beer, they're normally yelling, uh, sometimes they've got a tree branch that they're hitting their husbands with.
0: Um, <laughs> to be fair, I think we're talking about my old age here, aren't we? <laughs> to be honest. This so is, This is like a look into the future. It's just isn't it, you around. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So you've got these kind of like, yeah, um, harassed elderly men who are sort of suffering uh, <laughs> yeah. their wives in medieval art and it's a, it acts as a sort of you know, double edged warning um, about men and their wives as well and, and, and gender norms and who should be in charge and, and that kind of thing. We've got another image uh, from the period, um, a little bit before my period, but still still medieval of um, a person who a lot of scholars think is a child um, with um, kind of club feet. We're not sure what's going on, but it might be leprosy, it could be something else, um, who has quite iconic sort of red curly hair which right. is sort of unusual within a medieval manuscript like they stand out but the person pushing the wheelbarrow also has the same red curly hair and is an older figure who might be like an older brother or a father figure mm. or that kind of thing so they've taken the sort of time to identify that sort of family connection there as well so yeah you're kind of reliant on your community
2: mm. that's and that's something Daisy has said in the past actually is that um in terms of the way disability kind of existed pre-industrial revolution was it was a a community you found yeah. a way of making it work within um, your
0: community yeah and your skills used you mm. they still saw you as skillful but it wasn't it's only when the industrial revolution kicked in that your skill your worth became linked, linked to your, your productivity. yeah your yeah and your ability to create Five hundred shoes in an hour—that kind of thing—and mm. then of course that would have a direct
2: impact on your standing within the community.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and we see a little bit of that in the Middle Ages as well, in terms of, um, oh, people who are able-bodied are allowed to be admitted into the priesthood, but anybody with a kind of um, physical disability isn't allowed to be entered uh, into the priesthood. Or at least those are the rules um, from sort of various uh, writings by. Medieval priests—that doesn't seem to be the case in practice, but that's the—that's the case on paper.
0: Find i find it really fascinating. It was—I like, really—it was really surprising that when Daisy said that how your productivity and your ability were linked together, that was when sort of like you, you, that affected your standing as a as a person, whether you'd got a disability or not. That for me was quite surprising because I always thought like back. Way, way back before the Industrial Revolution, that you because society didn't really it wasn't as geared up for disability as it is now. I mean, you could argue that society is not geared up. for I think it we've
2: come a reasonably long way
0: since. Yeah, we're not. In, I mean, we're not in wheelbarrows anymore, are we? But do you know what I mean only only on a Saturday night, <laughs> yeah, only on a Saturday night, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we really, I was really surprised that that it only really started Industrial Revolution times.
1: Yeah, although there is a a really cool case of this dating from the Middle Ages, possibly one of my favourite examples of disability technology from the period that I study. And it's the case of this guy called Gips von Berlichingen. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know
2: if you've heard of him.
0: (laughs) No. Not a name I'm familiar
2: with, no. No. (laughs) I feel like I'd remember it. (laughs) Well, he's
1: awesome, he's my favourite. He is a medieval German knight and uh, he um, writes an autobiography uh, towards the end of his life where he talks about all the stuff that he's been through, all of the battles that he's fought, all of this kind of stuff. And, yeah. and he's a real sort of like lad. Um, he gets himself in all kinds of trouble. Um, when he's writing this autobiography, there's a story in there, he says he's at like a, a big feast that was thrown by his uncle who was some kind of noble uh, lord. And uh, he was sat on the high table. Next to a Polish guy who had the most gorgeous long curly blonde hair, and Gutz was unhappy about this guy's hair. He was deeply jealous, um, and throughout the meal, he flicks flicks the guy's hair, and the Polish guy is like, "Just stop! Like, what are you doing?" And he ruffles stop his it. hair, and he's like, "Dude, stop!" To the point that they get so angry with one another that they end up dueling with butter knives. Of course. And Get's uncle Is furious um, that he's ruined his party and, and all this sort of stuff. So,
2: yeah, the Y O D lads, lads, lads. <laughs> it, it,
1: it really is, and the the autobiography is all like this, um, except for one interesting point in the sort of I don't know middle of the autobiography where Guts is saying that at this point he's acting as a mercenary and that him and his band of troops have been asked to fight um, at a thing called the Siege of Landshut in fifteen oh five. And he goes into the battle. Um, he's got a lot of, you know, renown and prestige. Everyone sort of knows that he's a good knight and a good soldier. And he's riding into the battle, um, riding towards the enemy lines on his, you know, I like to imagine like you know white steed, but you know on a horse. Um, and uh, he raises his sword arm, so he raises his right arm uh, above his head and uh just he's about to bring it down on the enemy
0: uh he gets
1: shot through the arm by a cannonball um
0: oh that's gonna hurt in the morning isn't it? yeah a little bit a little bit and he (laughs) he he's made my legs go funny
1: (laughs) (laughs) he says he looks down um he sees his arm dangling from quote
2: a strip of skin um (laughs) <laughs> but he is it a bit like the uh the Black Knight in Monty Python where it's just like it's just a flesh wound. Oh
1: my God. It's exactly that. He then says,
2: <laughs> "I pretended it didn't
0: matter." <laughs> <laughs> fine. Just be all hanging off is fine. <laughs> it's like I calmly
1: turned my horse around and, and went back to my tents. Um, and I'm like, that's not how I'd react. I don't think. <laughs> no, no,
2: no. <laughs> um, my God! I think I would be minor, minor level hysterical at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah same. <laughs> on the floor. dangling. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he then reveals that the cannonball had not been shot by the enemies. It had come from behind him. It was shot by his <laughs> own side.
2: It was friendly oh, fire, no.
1: so um, all kinds of danger in
2: medieval oh, battles. That guy coming come off the Christmas card list
0: <laughs> for sure. If to speak to him again, I'd be like, bye, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but did he did he lose his arm? Then
2: I assume.
1: Yeah, so he has to have a battlefield amputation, and he doesn't talk about that. We don't know whether he was conscious or not during that, but he doesn't recount that in his autobiography
0: because um, there's no anaesthetic is there like that's like if you, if your arm's coming off it's coming off
1: yeah you've kind of got like poppy seeds and opioids and you've got booze but that's that's yeah. sort of your lot
0: really oh i i would have a gin on an intervener <laughs> <toilet.
2: laughs> just a funnel and yeah just someone pouring it directly into your just into your liver directly, somebody somebody talking yeah. to
0: me just to go it's all right Luce. it's gonna hurt a bit but i'm here to talk to you just to take your mind off oh, oh, it God. Yeah. See, I,
2: i have read little bits about uh battlefield amputations during the american civil war and those were horrific
0: mm-hmm. and that was what nearly 400 years later like yeah the, I, oh no Do
2: you think can't so? be if
0: you are in that much agony with your arm that's sort of like dangling by a piece of like a thread basically that it's almost a relief to get it I, off yeah, like I suppose- off it's it's the level of damage though isn't it because if mm. it's
2: like if you've had your leg crushed under a horse or something and then yeah. some has still got to saw it off <laughs> oh. like that versus like a snip because it's just yeah, hanging yeah, off by a bit of skin yeah and
0: well, I, I wish you'd I, written I, about I this, before this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: should have a warning at <laughs> the
0: beginning of
1: the episode, no episode guys. <laughs> um so yeah, so we don't know exactly the extent of his injury other than like his arm did eventually come off. And um, what's super interesting about this, though, is that in the autobiography, he then spends like, a significant amount of time talking about his value as a knight being attached to the fact that he had an arm, uh, and he used mm-hmm. his arm for fighting. And mm-hmm. he talks about, um, you know, he sort of gets really quite dark, uh, as sort of suicidal in his thoughts. And ask God to to let him die because he can't continue to fill his function as a knight without his arm, and what is the point of living if he can't work as a knight like he's used to? Because it's so tied to his masculinity and his status in society and all of these things, mm. uh, which comes back to this sort of industrial revolution idea of um, you're worth being tied yeah. to your sort of occupation and your ability to yeah. perform in that occupation. Mm. Um, so he's praying for death um, and and all these other very sort of you know sad uh, bleak things. Um, when he gets almost like a kind of divine vision, he says. He says that God reminded him of another knight that he'd once met who had a prosthetic arm. Um, and he goes, cool, okay, I'm gonna go and commission one of those and I'm gonna go back to being a knight and everything's gonna be fine. And that is almost the last time he mentions the arm um, in the autobiography. Uh, really? Yeah, the pr- so
0: he had a prosthetic arm, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And continued to be... Night. Yeah, he you went know, limited. <laughs> limited. Straight back to
1: it. He went back to fighting. He was in battles. He was meeting dignitaries. Um wow. he was just as effective for like he was about dueling with gutter knives. <laughs>
0: <you know. laughs> doing everything. <laughs> um so it, I take it he could like move the arm. It wasn't just was it or was it just like a show arm of a like, here's an arm but it doesn't really do anything kind of arm. What was it made up of?
1: Oh so These are my favorite things. They are so cool. So, whenever I say, like, oh, yeah, medieval prostheses, people go, um, oh, like wooden legs or hook hands or these kinds of things. And I go, ha ha, no. So, (laughs) the things that these knights had commissioned, and I found about just over 30 of them surviving um, to the present day, are fully mechanized. They look really kind of steampunky um oh, yeah that's
0: amazing the, the
1: fingers are all movable they operate on a kind of like cog system so you can fix the fingers into different shapes and uh, kind of positions um they uh mine would be
0: fork shaped so that <laughs> always, <have you> <laughs> dinner. Ah, always ready for dinner yeah. there is one of those that survives from the
1: uh, victorian period actually uh, <laughs> where well, you can take the hand off and replace it with a fork <laughs>
0: yeah it's great my kind of that would be my kind of hand (laughs) Uh, i have a gold-plated one for best please leave lucy alone she's got a fork (laughs) and she's eating leave her alone um no that oh that is so because you think of medieval times don't you you think very early like basic that'll do kind of jobs um but no to have like mechanical fingers that move and stuff yeah it's so cool really quite surprising yeah and um
1: i mean these were only for the elites they would have cost um oh tens of thousands in today's money um yeah so they're not something that you can just sort of buy as a regular medieval person working on a farm or whatever but um no. but yeah they, they require like the work like collaboratively, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> collaboratively, <laughs> of blacksmiths, uh, locksmiths, um, sort of. Uh, in some cases, you're going to have maybe like kind of jewelers or people who work with kind of like those fine um, kind of metalwork and design skills. If you want a really fancy
2: one, so they're this sort of uh, legit. Thought you were going to say wizards.
0: Just feels like that's what that that list was missing. I would definitely have rhinestones in mine.
2: You know, (laughs) know,
0: I'm a big fan of Dolly Parton. He was also a big fan of rhinestones. And I would definitely have like some sort of bejeweled hands that just pop like, hello, everybody. And wave with my waving hand. (laughs) Hello. But she's not got a fork hand. (laughs) (laughs) My waving hand. Hand for every occasion. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but you're completely right about wizards i love that you've said wizards because the technology that they use to build these arms sort of originates in um medieval automata so kind of like medieval robots um mm. and these uh, were developed in uh, in the east uh, in the kind of um islamic states uh, in the sort of early middle ages and we've got these really cool records of people going to visit uh, various um, sort of Byzantine and Islamic kingdoms and going, oh my goodness, I went to this king's court. He had these tigers that were metal, but they were roaring and they were moving. And what the fuck? This is terrifying. They have magicians, they have demons. That's the only way we can explain this.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: yeah and that's you know the westerners are being you know uninformed um and it takes about 500 years uh for the same technology to start being used in the west because of these fears because it's associated with magic and demonology and and all this sort of stuff
0: oh yeah i suppose like they're like oh you you're a a wizard kind of
2: thing yeah yeah well and it it when you say automaton my immediate thought is victorian steampunky kind of stuff so it is exactly
0: wind up sort of like doll things that move that are like very sort of cogs and wheels and all that kind of stuff yeah that's what springs to mind with me like you wind it up and it's like oh it's moving (laughs) like it's
2: it was like a thing in the victorian times in you know the west and in in britain but it's i mean i've heard several things on the uh you're dead to me podcast where they've talked about things that like the english are in like 1750 this is so cool and the chinese were like in 1705 <laughs> this is so cool so yeah like <laughs> like or 705 i should say they got there way before we did
0: yeah like where have you been we've been yeah. doing this for years kind so, of thing yeah and yeah,
1: it's exactly the same kind of thing um the automata in in the sort of medieval east are, are fascinating some of them are like um clocks, like water clocks, they're using um, water and water pressure and the movement of water to make, you know, animals and and clocks move and then that kind of thing. Um, But then we've got these ones that we're only seeing through a Western lens. So we've got no idea how they worked, only that like, Mm -hmm. they were definitely mechanical, um, and therefore kind of terrifying. Um, Um, And I mm. guess
2: all we've got is sort of contemporary reports, there's no existing ones for us to be able to go oh, this is what how it worked
1: not for the not for the tigers on this throne um but there is a guy called al jaziri who wrote a book called and i love this it's called the book of ingenious mechanical devices um amazing amazing <laughs> and uh yeah he's he's written of course he made all of them they're his ingenious yeah. mechanical devices yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: no <laughs> uh, help whatsoever
1: and he's uh yeah he was writing um in the early middle ages uh, about that so so yeah um so no, so these these prosthetic arms are built on the same kind of premises as the early automata. Um, so yeah, wizards.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, because I mean, you think of prosthetics being like developed and sort of really coming into their own, sort of like around World War One, when you know soldiers come back from war and they've got sort of you know things that they need, like a hand maybe, or you know, damage to some sort of limb, and that's where you traditionally think, oh well, that's where obviously they start to really invest in prosthesis because there were so many people coming home that were injured that they couldn't just let leave them yeah um but yeah it's really interesting to, to know that it was back in sort of medieval times
2: well and if you think you know the part of the reason things were so bad for soldiers after the first world war was because of the conditions of the first world war yeah and the, absolutely. the weapons that were being used and stuff but actually if you can sort of transpose that directly to you know the medieval times the conditions that battles were being fought in and wars were being fought in were would have been just as bad mm-hmm. and although it would have been more i mean kind of more hand to closer combat because swords and but, yeah. you know arrows can do damage we just heard a lovely story about a cannonball mm. <laughs> it's, exactly, it's yeah. the same premise isn't it that there yeah. would have been hundreds of knights. i guess the the biggest thing is whether you would survive the amputation or the limb loss in the first like long enough yeah to then yeah. Need a prosthetic. yeah um but yeah it's 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 fascinating so would it would it really be um kind of knights and you know the nobility who who had prosthetics was is there any evidence to kind of suggest that people in lower classes did have anything like that
1: yeah so like you say Sort of knights and nobility were the people who fell at the intersection of like people who are likely to lose a limb in mm-hmm. later life through being on the battlefields, mm-hmm. plus having the money to afford a prosthesis, plus having the health care to survive the amputation. So they had that sort of trifecta of, you know, uh, things going yeah. on. For people who were low status, um, I don't see prosthetic hands that are fully mechanized and, and that kind of thing being used. But you do get, um, a kind of interesting assortment of peg legs. So this was something that baffled me for a little while. um I found no mechanized prosthetic legs uh, to begin with, and I was like, yeah, "But if we can make hands, why aren't we making legs? Like, surely
0: you know, surely legs are slightly easier, aren't they? Because you've got le- you're not going to have to like mechanically move toes or like it's not like moving fingers, is it? It's like where you know fingers need to move independently, but with your leg you can just move like you need the You'd knee." Want a-
2: a slightly bendy knee like a Barbie doll, but, yeah, you, wouldn't but you wouldn't need, need a, a such a range of movement, would you? Your You'd your have toes, thought that legs some something sort of... simple. Yeah. 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 So I was thinking, well, what's going on here? Um
1: and I found one kind of elite mechanised leg that's really cool because um if you look at the dimensions of the leg and, and the way it moves, um, so it's all sort of metal, uh it's kind of like hollowed out metal. Um, the the dimensions are wrong and the angle of the ankle is wrong and it's all fixed in place. Like it just you wouldn't have been able to walk on it. And I was like, Well Mm. the 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 sort of shin is too short and it it doesn't make sense biologically and i was like is this some rubbish craftsman (laughs) who just has no idea how legs work
0: or doesn't know how to measure (laughs) oh yeah um yeah i was like i've never seen a leg before (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's like what's going on um but the minute you put that leg on uh on horseback and in a riding position it is the most sort of like um weight appropriate positioning. Yeah.
0: It's like a riding leg.
1: So it's a riding leg. So you've got your fork hand, your rhinestone hand and now you've got your riding leg. (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's incredible so like i would imagine that they would get on a horse and then say like either have their leg on already or say can somebody put my riding leg on please
2: and it would it would facilitate you being able to do it independently and safely that's so cool
0: yeah probably give you a bit of better balance as well if you're riding the horse but then if, if you get off the horse getting to the horse and getting off the horse slightly problematic yeah pages, but knights had like pages and stuff that's basically what their job was wasn't it oh, just Nike.
2: catching your knight as they fall <laughs> off their horse drunkenly <laughs> yeah. holding a sheet out and just saying jump yeah. <laughs> yeah. and also it's a great distraction if you're going into battle and
1: somebody slashes at your leg thinking it's a leg in armor because yeah. it looks like armor Yes, I
0: suppose, um, because
1: yeah, yeah. It's, metal, it's it looks like armor yeah um and then they're just like what the shit yeah
0: yeah
1: it's like the <laughs> full scooby-doo moment of attacking the uh the empty suit of armor yeah <laughs> you know? yeah yeah yeah.
0: so it's great that's that is really quite incredible isn't it really that that it's uh, ingenious yeah yeah super so, clever like, like, you realize that it's on the for the horse that you think actually no it's completely perfect like, yeah you know? it makes total sense in that situation
1: but as a walking leg yeah. completely unfunctional
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what my legs would be used, like what situation my legs would be useful in if like my, because my legs are completely useless for walking, but there must there must be a actual physical good use for them. I'm going to have to do some research. This
2: know. is it. This is going to spend the next 12 months trying her legs in different situations.
0: <laughs> yeah. Going to have to set them up their own like TikTok. I just have to travel the world trying different things. That's where you get the disability fetish come in. I don't think I'm ready for that yet. So yeah.
1: But for lower status people, um they were using these really weird sort of like um peg legs, but then that had like a trough extending out the back of the peg leg. So like almost like an L-shaped kind of device. Um with their leg in the in the trough. And again, this was another one where I was like, hang on, if you can make peg legs, why have we got legs in troughs or hanging out behind the peg yeah. leg, like All what stuff, like Yeah, like what is this? Um But um in the medieval period there were very, very, very few successful amputations of legs above the ankle. Because then you start to get into right. the major arteries. So you yes, couldn't yeah. yeah, you couldn't do an amputation sort of directly above or below the knee, uh without the sort of blood loss and the infection and, and people dying. So what people would do is if they had problems uh with like either an amputated foot because you could amputate a foot relatively fine Mm. um or you had um problems with your legs in some capacity or other um rather than amputating them you would just bind them up in this kind of trough uh and you'd have a bent bent knee um and then you would I
0: understand. yeah yeah
2: um so it's just i'll just tuck this back here and use my peg leg yeah put this yeah
0: i'll put this on the shelf and then just use this leg Surely that would not make it really difficult to move the peg leg, though, if your leg is back on the shelf and it's holding the, the your knees on. So I take it that the knee would be on the peg leg, but the rest of the leg would be behind you. Is yeah, right? yeah, exactly that. Yeah. yeah. sounds uncomfortable. Would that not make it really difficult to move the leg, the peg leg?
1: Yeah, I'd imagine so. Normally in the pictures that I've seen of people using these, they also have a crutch.
0: Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. So so that, yeah so maybe also give that extra upgrade. support. Yeah. 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 Seems still seem very like a. I think, I'd stick with the wheelbarrow. Thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is there not a wheelbarrow available? I was gonna because you could put rhinestones on it. It'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, you, you could put slogans down the side. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I would find that quite. I would imagine using something like the trough system would be quite exhausting because of having to push through your arms on the crutch to then move your leg and i would imagine that that prosthetic leg wouldn't move very far with the if you push up through your arms yeah the effort wouldn't move it very so you'd be walking very very slowly it's I, the ingenuity
2: like fascinating yeah.
0: though that we've gone well,
2: if we can't amputate the leg how can we keep this person on the move somehow mm. Mm you know it's like rather than just going oh we'll just stick them in a chair in the corner and they can or, go outside when it you know in the wheelbarrow when it's it's time to go to
0: church yeah like, or like she's either going to stay in bed for the rest of their life they, yeah. they're still trying to integrate them and, and include it's, them in society aren't they
2: i, I think that's really interesting that mm. yeah
0: i suppose if nothing else as well like we were talking about the floor earlier
1: the floor's going to be filthy it's not you know clean concrete no um so if nothing else it keeps a a fresh foot amputation or a wound or if you've got kind of bed Mm. sores or that kind of thing it keeps it out of Mm. out of the range of the floor and out of the dirt yeah it made
2: me think of what Jenny Berry said when she came on the show which was like the best thing since uh, her accident is that her shoes are always brand new yes (laughs) because they never get any
0: use never get yeah, (laughs) never get scuffed. And I could, because I imagine that the floor in medieval times, wherever you are, would have been a bit like the carpet in weatherspoons <laughs> sticky, sticky and I, a bit filthy.
2: I suspect it would be just a couple of degrees worse, even.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. With an aggressive With 60s the, pattern. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. Possibly the 60s pattern, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah. I just, this is a time before plumbing.
0: so Yeah. But,
2: yeah yeah and all those poor women who had to wear floor-length skirts as well oh yeah it's upsetting isn't it
0: <laughs> i'm quite horrible. glad my feet are off the floor yeah <laughs> it does make you very appreciative that the, my feet are away from the floor yes oh
1: yeah. so speaking of floors um oh. <laughs> there is a palace in spain um which was the palace where uh philip the second of spain lived um and i i went to go and uh look at the the, the palace and, and think about what it was like in terms of its flooring uh because philip ii is the first example we have in history of a a wheelchair that we would recognize as a wheelchair today it is um oh, wow. it's a chair on wheels so it's like a, a four-legged kind of um like almost like an armchair type thing um wow. and on the bottom of each leg of the chair it's got a tiny little wheel okay
0: so there's not a big wheel for pushing he is pushed because i he mean he's i was going to say he's king, king. yeah
2: if, if i was king i'd be sitting in an armchair making people wheel <laughs> <around>. <laughs> i'm now doubting myself and my chair i'm just gonna remember like, myself
0: see i like that yeah. noise that noise is research on the go that. i was okay. like
1: hang on have i got the right i have got the right chair <laughs> we can cut out the typing sound <laughs> tiny wheel His on the bottom <laughs> <laughs> tiny wheel on the bottom of every leg um so um
0: yeah, in fact, so I don't know have if I handles can. Handles for somebody to push, or did they have to like push with a flat hand? I've got visions of him being pushed with just a flat shoving him, so. <laughs> shoving
1: <in>. uh,
0: Move! <laughs> I don't know if you can see this
1: and tell folks what you're seeing.
0: Right, okay. Are you oh, going to describe well, yeah, this? I can, I can describe it. So it's basically like there's a man sort of like sat, he's got a hat on. That's not important, but I'm just going to set the scene. <laughs> but um it's like a high-backed chair with with arms like Ray said with four tiny wheels on the bottom so it's like a wooden dining chair with a high back and four wheels on the on the the feet and then across where his feet finish like where his foot plate should be is that like um a piece of wood yeah Where's yeah yeah exactly that yeah like a little wooden footrest. yeah I mean, it looks very weird, but it does look very comfortable. and he would so, be uh, it was apparently fully padded with horsehair, so it would have been nice and soft. Oh well, Never. that's what you get you for being the king of spain you see Yeah horsehair thats uh that's really quite interesting.
1: Yeah, so this very is good. the the earliest example of like a wheelchair as we know it today. Um, as you can see, there's no way to sort of control it yourself. you can't you know wheel
0: yourself and it does look quite large though. Yeah, bulky. Yeah, like would you have had to have his doorways like because like my doorways in my house um have all been widened so that I could get my wheelchair through. I've still managed to scuff the skirting boards as I go past. But they have all been widened. You just
2: imagine your mum's face <laughs> <as well. laughs>
0: Yeah. She I think she just like lives with it now. She's like, Yeah, they're all scuffed, I know. <laughs> um uh but so our, all our internal doors have been widened to outside door width so i can get in and out easy and it's only when i then go places where they've got internal doors i'm like this is quite tight (laughs) i can't really get through this door can i tell you something
2: it was not until you just said that sentence that i realized that inside doors are not as wide as outside doors
0: no i didn't really either but don't tell my dad i said that (laughs) (laughs) when we were were talking about the extension he was like we're gonna put some outside doors widths in and i was like oh, mm-hmm, thinking yeah i don't i didn't realize that um so were you about to have like wide doorways to get through yeah and what was this what was the floor like like did was they smooth it all out get, or was it a it... polished floor because i love a polished floor because you can do one push and get from one side to the <laughs> other brilliant.
1: fly across well, <laughs> yeah fortunately for philip he is the uh, king of spain and you know spain is hot and he's got this huge yeah. palace uh with mm. smooth smooth floors, uh, very open Palestine, but not open on account of him needing to use this chair, open on account of, I have loads of money and can have these huge open spaces. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's um, well,
0: probably got wide doorways anyway, hasn't it, really? Because yeah. King and he big. And everything's big. 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 You, don't, you don't want to go to the palace and go, that doorway's really small, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. really yeah. impressive.
2: So... Charles is having to walk through everything sideways. <laughs> <just> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Camilla. <laughs> it's like, how did you I even been... notice this before? Yeah, and I'm Sorry.
1: sure I could be wrong. This isn't my period, but isn't this why women during like Marie Antoinette's period started wearing those massive dresses to be like, yes. I can afford huge doors, so I'm going to wear a huge dress." I heard
0: this. Yeah. yeah, is there some truth so in they're... that? And, and I. I also heard that in back in that sort of period the, the dresses were really wide so that because apparently back in those that time period it was very rude to leave a party and of course that that time period the bigger parties you had the the more sort of status you had but it was very rude to leave the ballroom where the parties were happening for women to leave so they made these massive wide dresses so that they could stick a uh bedpan under the dress and they could just go to the toilet stood up so that the dress was wide enough to cover the the whole going to the toilet issue i mean i wow. always
2: heard that it was that the more material you could afford it meant possibly the money
0: you had i mean i did learn this off a lucy worsley docu- documentary so if lucy worsley <laughs> is lying to me i'll be very upset but you know write to the bbc yes i will complain Cause you've made me look like an idiot on my podcast <laughs>
2: but um, <laughs> I, I mean i imagine you know knowing rich people they're just like hey look at all the money i've got for all of the different reasons yeah, yeah exactly. all things that i could be like hey look at my money
0: i mean if i if i could afford it i'd probably have a dress that it, it was very difficult for me to get through the door like i'd have the doors widened just just so i could
2: show off I legit thought you were gonna be like, if I could afford it, I'd have a dress that was big enough that could hide a toilet under it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I... think we can be friends anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Alice. I'm never gonna do that to you, babe. It's fine. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it's uh... yeah. So he didn't have to have his door widened or his or his floors polished because he he was already kid. king. Yeah. So as as far
1: as I assume, like there's no records accounting for that kind of stuff. He seems to be getting on just fine. Um. Interestingly, though the chair is called uh, his gout chair, so he had—I mean, he was a king. he's eating rich foods. He was drinking wine, so he had bad gout in his
0: feet. Um, yeah, and um, Henry the Eighth had bad gout in his feet and was carried around in a on a sedan chair uh, towards the end of his life, I think. And um, I believe had to be winched up the stairs. <laughs> I mean, it's like putting me in the bath, really. <laughs> to be fair. Um, but yes, he did. I think he was just carried around everywhere because he'd just given up. his wow. leg which just couldn't—he couldn't stand on it because he was like weeping and yuck. So they put him on a sedan chair and just carried him everywhere.
2: He was also hugely overweight. As very well,
0: overweight, which, yeah. I can, um, doesn't I help matters.
2: No, and probably didn't make the idea of a sedan chair very fun for all of the people who <laughs> had to carry the sedan no. chair.
0: I don't know whether you'd want the front or the back or what. I don't know. <laughs> you
2: would just be like, somebody give this bastard
0: a salad, please. <laughs> Stop eating pheasant. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and because like the early, like when when I think of early wheelchairs, the thing that I always think about is um the Secret Garden, the kid in the Secret I knew Garden. Say <laughs> that. He's like he's but he he's like sat in a wicker chair. Yeah. That is like no suspension. <laughs> it
2: does look like it would blow over, doesn't it? The yeah, only like, thing holding it down is him.
0: Don't leave Colin outside. He might blow over. <laughs> like <laughs> keep him out of the wind. Um, yeah,
2: that's the real secret in the garden.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just leave him. Don't leave him outside. um So yeah, it it was that design, like the wicker chair design, like a, a Western thing, was because we we hadn't yet realized that you could stick wheels on a dining chair, or or well, was it? I've i would
2: have, i would have thought that a wicker chair would be something you'd want in somewhere like spain and the mediterranean yeah. where it's hotter rather more than
0: breathable here where
2: if wicker gets wet it just kind of dissolves mm. like wheat oh,
0: oh you don't want a weetabix yeah. chair no
2: <laughs> it's not what you want from your wheelchair
0: and again it can't be left out in the garden in case <laughs> it rains <laughs>
1: There's some um, things that look like wicker chairs in uh sort of ancient China. Um and right. they um they look more like like what we might consider a modern wheelchair to look like. They've got large wheels on the side. They're kinda of like more of a wicker yeah. chair structure. Um and the images I've seen, they're being pulled by some sort of animal. Like in the picture it's kind of hard to tell. It's in the background, but it's some kind of like dark beast, like it could be a bull or maybe like a weird horse, but, but some mm. kind of creature is, is pulling it. Um,
2: um, back back to magic, I think. Back to Wizardry, yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> like a unicorn or something. <laughs> so I guess I mean we've we've been trying to make disabled people, you know, mobile and and include them in society. Still, I mean, for as long as we've had disabled people, it's not sort of it. It's even after doing this podcast for two and a half years is not what i expect you know not what i expected i expected the like the victorian attitude of you know you put them in bed and you shut the door because they're yeah. sickly. Mm, not yeah. you know it sounds like we've, we have been working quite hard to yeah to give people some kind of sort of independence still yeah
1: and one of the things i love about this with the
2: middle ages
1: again when i I used to teach a, a class on disability in the middle ages. And one of the first things I'd always ask my students before we got stuck into anything was, you know, what do you think it was like, like coming from a place of never having thought about this? Like, what do you think it was like? And they were like, oh, maybe they just cast people with disabilities out into the wilds or they kill people at birth or all of these horrendous things. Um, and then spending the next sort of 11 weeks challenging those assumptions and thinking about, you know, People have got loved ones. People care for each other. You know, people have uh, value in society in so many diverse ways. It's not just tied to whether or not you can, you know, use your arm if you're a knight or whatever. There's, there's all these different yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah. kinds of things, and we see this um, in a much more human way in miracle collections. So, within the medieval sort of Western Christian uh, kind of culture, people believed in saints performing miracles. Um, this was real um, as far as medieval people are concerned. Um, this is something that you, know, you could really petition a saint for and they would, uh, they would help you. And so people would go on pilgrimages um, you know, for very long distances, sometimes slightly shorter distances to, um, to seek the help that, that, that they needed. And we see these really wonderful stories of um, the family and friends and, and parents of uh, disabled people um helping to get these people to the shrines to to get the treatment that they require so we mm. see stories of parents carrying their children um who have you know an array of different kind of sort of uh i mean, can't even say what it is but kind of conditions and symptoms that are presenting um carrying them for long yeah. distances to, to to shrines to to get help um and people staying with their friends for extended periods in long lines uh, waiting for them to get to the front of the queue to ask the saint for what they wanted and people are caring people are there and they're supporting each other yeah. and it's, it's lovely
0: i was going to say that the one thing that, that kind of comes through talking to you ray the fact that you know that there is this sense of people do care they don't just give up on you just because you you've had an accident or you happen to have been born with a disability they want you to have a decent crack at life do you know what i mean and it, like it challenged like it's it sort of challenges perception of what people think medieval england was like you know because you, you do it automatically and i don't know whether this is like depictions in the media or you know things like that but you do automatically think oh they would have been you know sort of put in bed or killed at birth um or you know things like this you cast aside and just sort of like left to their own devices really and if if it happens to uh, you know have a have, have a detrimental effect on the disabled person well then it's it's another problem i don't have to worry about but in fact it's completely the opposite isn't it there is care and support and wanting the best for that friend or loved one that's the sense i'm getting that you don't want them to just give up and sort of like, just have no Experiences in life, and I think that's really comforting. It certainly is for me, anyway.
1: Yeah, and we've got people who go the the further step and start to um, identify their um, disabilities as uh, kind of blessings and uh, things that have been bestowed on them by God uh, within the kind mm-hmm. of Christian canon. There's a woman in Spain called Teresa de Cartagena, and she's a Spanish nun. She's a noble woman who becomes a nun, and um, she's in her roughly her sort of early 30s when she loses her hearing completely. Um, Yeah. So to begin with, she's sort of upset and angry about this. um, And and sort of, you know, ask God, you know, why why me? Why have you decided to make me lose my hearing? Mm -hmm. Um, And then her writing sort of shifts and changes. And she goes, Oh, I can't hear the nuns endlessly chattering about rubbish. And now I can be more devoted in my religion and I can, I've got more space and I'm living in this kind of silence, which is beautiful um, because mm. I can think clear thoughts and, and be more devout um, and be closer to God. And so she mm. totally turns around her anger and, and sort of begins to see it as this this wonderful thing, this, this blessing, um, and, and showing her closeness to God and her privileged position. Mm. Um, so we see that happening too. I think that's great
2: yeah that's uh, it's so interesting isn't it because it's kind of that you know it is people are always kind of disabilities presented as this kind of this lack and this bad thing but actually a lot of disabled people see it as a huge part of who they are and it's made them who they are and you know they find the joy and you know there is are things about being disabled that make them special and make them you know makes you memorable
0: are. doesn't it you know the fact that i'm in a wheelchair and i've got bright red hair and I don't shut up um the fact that i'm in a wheelchair just compounds the fact that oh you're going to remember me because do you remember that really gobby redhead in the wheelchair you know oh that's lucy um mine's the three dogs <laughs> exactly um it it does make me more memorable i think when i'm talking to people whether that's a good thing or a bad thing depends on what I'm talking about I suppose but um yeah I, I look definitely. at
2: my non-disabled friends who have to like pay dog trainers and stuff like that and I'm just like oh no my dog's just appeared <laughs> completely well behaved and well trained <laughs> um Can and, sit uh, on command. <laughs> I mean no really. <laughs> but you know they don't shit in the house when no. they come exactly. well, no that's not true that is not true Both <laughs> my absolutely shit in the house uh, and in john lewis and oh. yeah. uh, in the shopping I, it's, I have so many stories of places <laughs> my dogs have pooed where they shouldn't
0: i think um, that was one of our first ever conversations where we were getting to know one another <laughs> alice you, you i've never had any any a conversation them.
2: with a guide dog owner who hasn't been like oh yeah my dog pooed x place when it's like indoors surrounded by people and they should not have um but yeah, you know yeah. wouldn't get wouldn't get it if i uh if I didn't have a disability. No, so. you see?
0: And it gives you uh memorable stories to tell at dinner parties because something always happens to disabled people that y- you wouldn't ever be able to write in your wildest dreams. I went to a uh an award ceremony when I was a student and the place where the award ceremony was I couldn't get in because there was no lift, because it was an old building. So my tutor carried me up the stairs to get into the room where the awards area was and my shoe fell off like in what other world does that happen just people arrive at awards awards areas win the award don't win the award and go home again i have to make an entrance (laughs) do you know what i mean it's that kind of i've got a story to tell you you won't believe this that always makes you entertain at dinner parties
2: but it's um just it's really interesting i think to me that that that's what. You know that 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 even hearing that story of of that yeah. nun is that there is that kind of immediate knee-jerk reaction of all oh, this is terrible to actually you know like she found peace in it
0: exactly um, it's only scary and terrifying because it's new change is always scary and terrifying and there was like varying degrees of the scaring and terrifying don't get me i'm not simplifying it down to change is always difficult um, but once, I think once you kind of sit with it for a bit and go actually it's not as bad, you know, I'm not saying that disability is not as bad as everybody makes out, but it certainly is not half as bad, let's say, as people make out. Well,
2: and, and going, you know, back to the sort of technology thing, it makes me think about how much people are kind of, there's a lot of people, kind of mainstream, non-disabled community who are panicking about AI.
0: Yeah um
2: and yet yeah, it's revolutionizing things for disabled people across the disabled community yeah you know loads of different kinds of disabilities and people with different disabilities are really benefiting from ai and other people and like there are chunks of the world who are like oh my god the you know they're going to take over
0: robots are taking over yeah yeah, yeah. and I'm we're like oh, can everybody calm down <laughs> because now i can actually do stuff <laughs> mm. yeah it's weird isn't it That's i think I, th- I don't know whether i don't know whether what your thoughts are, are on this are Ray. Right, but i think his like disabled people i think are more open to like I've got no other option let's try it and see if it works let's try this technology and see if it works to then maybe a non-disabled person would be a bit more reticent and like oh no the robots are taking over whereas disabled people go I'll give that a go (laughs) what's the worst that could happen kind of thing I don't know yeah like I
2: already can't walk how like (laughs) how is trying a wheelbarrow going to make it work exactly
0: Yeah, yeah yeah like I can't get to the shops I need to get to the shops I can't walk the only thing I've got available is a wheelbarrow. Let's try it. Or in King Philip of Spain's case, I can't walk. Let's try putting wheels on that dining chair and see how we get on. That kind of thing. I think disabled people are very open to trying things differently and trying new technologies. Not that sticking wheels on a dining room chair is a technological advance. <laughs> it's like a oh, that's mean, a happy it, accident.
2: It, it would have been back then. You know, it would have been pretty big deal you know yeah i suppose yeah i think wasn't
1: being done previously no No.
2: i think you know that's the thing that you have to remember about like you know for us like even things like you know a wheelchair is quite normalized even in wider society that's a wheelchair and that's how that works but you know think about power chairs and things like that those are a huge technological advance in a lot of ways, but also very normalised for us now.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the things um, that I, I try to do in my work is sort of challenge what counts as a disability technology um, by the standards of the, the period that I study. So um, oh, a few years ago, I was working with the uh, Medical Heritage Library and was putting together a, a sort of online exhibition for them about uh, disability technologies. I decided not to opt for things like um, prostheses or wheelchairs, because I think that's what people's minds jump to immediately when they think of disability technology, and to look at um, other things that were equally important to a range of people in the past. So I was looking at, for example, um, glasses, as in spectacles, seeing glasses, um, Mm. and how something that we don't really consider to be a disability technology today. um, But by medieval standards. Um, Glasses were were invented in the 1280s. And this was revolutionary, because if you were like, say a seamstress, and you start to lose your eyesight, your career is gone. That's it, you're not making money. Um, So being able to have glasses and just be able to keep working is is huge. Um, And it's a really valuable disability technology in that period. Um, Mm. The other one that I was looking at as well is dentures today we associate dentures with sort of getting elderly um and just something that is kind of cosmetic but in, yeah. in the middle ages like there aren't blenders you know they're not making smoothies there's no there's no fuel no. um <laughs> <you know? laughs> and if you've got to get through your steak or your pheasant or whatever that it's it's crucial it's, it's fundamental to have those kinds of technologies those devices so yeah. I think- and
0: i could imagine as well middle age cook- mid, 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 cooking mid middle middle-aged cooking medieval cooking would be it's not like a kind of this has been roasting for four hours it's kind of this is cooked it might still be a bit tough like uh, but if you haven't got teeth and you can't eat then yeah, yeah. and it's, it's yeah. I, mean, I suppose there's,
1: there's ales and there's soups and there's things like that but like even so it's you know it yeah
0: it's, it's a problem if you
1: can't chew it's a decent meal don't they yeah. yeah yeah um yeah so yeah i think thinking about how we understand it by the standards of today's society, and then how we think about technology by the standards of the fourteen hundreds, um, and what actually yeah. counts as, you know, an assistive technology in that in that period. It's
0: stuff that we take that we take for granted now, you know, that and it's weird to think, isn't it? That like in this day and age, you've got smart speakers and things that we we class that as an assistive technology, and then you look back to like medieval times, and it's like dentures and glasses and this, that, and the other, and you think it's so we think in our day and age we think that is so simple but actually back in the that would have blown my mind
2: well and i i think the other thing as well is like what rachel was saying is like if you took away those dentures and those spectacles and stuff now like people be fucked yeah (laughs) like like, the thing i always say is you know i am regist i am legally blind but without his contact lenses in my husband's eyes are worse than mine like really, I can yeah, I can see better than him when he's not got his contact lenses in, and like, <laughs> like that. So if if glasses were not a thing, he'd yeah. be he'd be the one with the three dogs. I'd yeah. be the one like happy. Be the one the doing everything. <laughs> 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 We'd have about two thirds of an eye between us. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: quite funny. That's really um, quite
2: funny. Yeah, so it's. I think it's. But I think the thing that has really resonated with me from this episode. And I get, I always get from the history lessons, all the history lessons we do is just that, like, no matter how far back in history you go, Mm. disabled people were always just like, no, I'm still getting out there. Like just, just fucking. No, I'm still doing this. Yeah, Yeah.
0: don't don't leave me in bed because I'm not. I don't want to stay here. Like, you can leave me in bed for a bit, and then I'm getting up and I'm just getting on with life. Yeah, it's not us that put ourselves in bed. You know, it's it's Mm. it's
2: society, and it's really cool to hear hear these stories of people who went out there for themselves, and people who had the family and stuff out there who went, let's let's not let this be the end of this person's story. because it's it's not the end of their story it's society and the rest of the world who says it's the end of the story but actually it's not let's find a way of making sure that it's not i think it's it's really cool that's kind of giving me a fire in my belly that (laughs) does
0: yeah it's like a rally and
2: cry gonna go off and do something really important and productive this afternoon uh,
0: no probably not no i didn't I'm think
2: so i i, I say you're gonna have a cider in the back garden aren't no you? i'm not I'm,
0: gonna find it. No, I'm not i'm gonna have a sit down and watch the chase oh, <laughs> because i'm middle-aged
1: <laughs> oh there's always time for a battle with a butter knife if you've got nothing else
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> you see? gonna make dinner time interesting <laughs> next time <tiny> your sister's around <laughs> oh, <God. Hi-ya! laughs>
2: gonna get you <laughs> i love that i'm like on guard like it's fencing lucy's just i'm gonna karate <laughs>
0: <laughs> i did a hangout like miss piggy
2: <laughs> brilliant ray thank you so much for coming on this it's has been, been really so good oh thank it's you for inviting good.
1: me it's been a lot of fun
2: oh yes. brilliant oh, i'm oh, so glad would you like to tell people where they can find you on the internet and where they might want to find your work uh, they want to follow up on anything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at r underscore jillybrand. My surname is complicated, so I can maybe put that in the notes for the uh for the episode. Do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my website is my name uh dot com. So again, complicated surname. I'll I'll pass it on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's fine. It's I I tell people it's a strong part. Of the reason I got married was to get a nice easy surname. So. <laughs> um this was the first episode of our disability technology series uh we will be doing some more throughout the rest of the month we will be doing lots of really cool things over on our uh for our newsletter subscribers and over on the fancy private bit of our website that you can't access unless you're a newsletter subscriber so go off subscribe to our newsletter um and we'll be putting some stuff up on the socials so make sure you're following us tell everybody how great we are and how much you enjoyed this episode uh lucy anything else to add um no i don't think so i don't think one thing you've done it all thought you might have like a nice quippy you know i don't know go out there and kick ass or something but it's fine basically
0: we'll... what i do do what alice says basically <laughs> that's, how I, that's how i live my life just do what alice <laughs>
2: says uh yeah so uh the other thing i'm gonna say do as i say is come back next time and yeah. we will see you then
0: yeah do that.
2: bye <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Labelled Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review, and
0: subscribe, and you can follow us on social media at Labelled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall, our music was by Maisie Crunden, and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved.